Hey, good morning, everyone. Wow, it's so good to see everybody. Those of you that join us online, thank you so much. This is an exciting day, and this is the first time we actually had a baptism in the main sanctuary. We usually do it in the gym, and uh, I'm so excited about those that are going to be baptized. We're going to do that at the uh, just at the end of the service. And um, one of the things that um, I appreciate about Living Word and I have to admit I'm a little biased because I just love living word. Um, one of the things I love about our church is the multi-generational that, uh, people that we have at our church. And it's seen in those that are being baptized today. We've got a teenage girl that's being baptized. We've got a young mom that's being baptized. And we've got Tim, who I'm going to call is a senior saint. So, yeah. So, yeah. Let's, and, uh, yeah. And um, I love you, Tim. You're such a great guy. And he's got a lot of family members here hooping and hollering for him. So I'm just so glad that, that all of you are here and you joined us online. And the thing about um, what I love about uh, a relationship with Christ is that he makes all things new. No matter what age you are, it's never too late with God. I just want you to know that this morning. So if you're here today and you feel like, man, Pastor, I've made so many mistakes in my life. I want you to know the, the, the gospel message can really be summed up in such an easy way. I think we just make Christianity way too complex. I think we make it way too hard to understand than it really is. And it's, it's very simple. It's just Jesus came for sinners, which every single one of us in this room, we're all messed up. We just are. We're all sinners. And Jesus came for us to rescue us from our sins. He was sinless. He was perfect. And he came as a substitute for you and I to pay the price of our sin, to die on a cross for you and I. And he loves you so much. And he wants to give you a brand new life. Now, does that mean that life is going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But I want you to realize the hope for those that have in Christ, that are followers of Jesus Christ, are beyond any present circumstance that you might be facing today. And there may be some of you here today, and you say, Pastor, I just, I, I got to be honest with you, my, my life is kind of falling apart. I mean, whether it's through wrong decisions or just when life throws you a curveball that you weren't expecting, every single one of us in this place and you watching online realize that life isn't perfect, that life comes with its struggles and its problems. What do we do when all else fails? What do we do? What kind of foundation? are we standing on? What I want you to realize this morning is that when we go through trials and difficulties in our lives, what it will reveal about you is what kind of foundation you're standing on. And here's the comfort that we have for standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ conquered this world for you and I through his death and resurrection. So in him, we have a security that the world can't give. How many are like me? You get through one issue and you think, I can breathe now. And then all of a sudden, something else comes up, you, right? You just, it's like, man, can, can I breathe? What we're going to look at today is we're going to look at an Old Testament prophet. His name is Habakkuk. You kind of have to make a loogie when you say his name, Habakkuk. It's the correct Hebrew way of doing it. And uh, Habakkuk was a prophet of God. He lived for God. He did God's will. But what, what, what we're going to see in Habakkuk is he... He looks around him and he just sees nobody's living for God. Nobody's doing God's will. And he is just down. And so the whole book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament really isn't about, because many times you look at Old Testament prophets and they're about speaking God's word to his people. Whatever, it's judgment or they need to get their hearts right before him. But what's interesting about the book of Habakkuk is that it's actually Habakkuk's dialogue with God. Habakkuk is just struggling He's seeing all the things that are going around him, and he's just struggling. So he has this dialogue with God, and him and, and, and God just have a, a raw, 
honest conversation. And I pray this will speak to you as we jump in, in, into God's word. When I was thinking about today's message, it, it brought me back to a game that we would play with our kids, and it's the game Jenga. How many of you um, ever played Jenga with your with your? Raise your hand if you if you played Jenga. Okay, wow, a lot of you. Okay, good game. Now, I don't care who you are in this place. I don't think any of you know what Jenga means because I'm that type of person. I'm like Jenga. That's kind of a weird weird name. So I go. I'm the type of person that's inquisitive. So I got to look it up. So I go, what does Jenga mean? Do you realize that Jenga is a Swahili word, which means to build? Everybody say, aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> right? None of you in this place knew what that means unless you know Swahili, which I don't know a lot. Of, I do know one person that knows Swahili. But unless you know Swahili, you didn't know that. And, and remind me of today's message for this reason. If you've ever played, for those of you who never played Jenga, it's a building game and you've got three pieces of small ones. Half of ours are all chewed up from our dog. I was going through this. I'm like, God, the dog ate half of them. And so um, now I know why she has problems. But anyways, so it's, it's like you have three pieces of wood and, you, and you, you go like this and you build the tower. And what you do is you take one, if you, as you play, you take one out and then you put one on the top. And you keep taking out until it's just like teetering like on one piece of wood. And then the, the person that it falls down on, you're the one that loses. So I, was, I always lose at this game. And we would play with our kids. They would always go, you know, when it started teetering and I was like the one that was kind of poking out the wood and putting it on top, they would go, Jenga, 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 Jenga. You know, you try to psych me out. I'm the one that always loses. But what, what, what eventually happens is you've got this tower and it's really high and then eventually it just crumbles. And, and it reminded me of the message for this reason. How many of us, what we do in our lives is we try to do it ourselves. We try to figure things out ourselves. So what we do is we go, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And then, we, then another thing we place in our life, and then another thing we place in our life. And then more fear, more worry, more anxiety, until we feel this weight and this pressure on our lives until everything comes crumbling down. And what life will do to you if you don't have a firm foundation, it will cause you to crumble. And it will cause fear and worry. So how do we walk through this world with all the circumstances that we're faced with, with all the curveballs that are, are thrown into our lives, how do we live our lives on a firm foundation? And what we're going to learn from Habakkuk today is that he was raw and honest with God with his feelings, like all of us are at times in our lives. And something happened to Habakkuk's heart that changed his attitude. Not his circumstances, but his heart. Listen, unless we have a heart change... We're going to be faced with the same stuff in life, every single one of us. We're going to have the same struggles. God wants to do a radical heart change to give you a different pair of eyes to look at the world that you're looking at today. That's what God does for Habakkuk. So I, I, I pray that your hearts are open and you hear what God would want you to hear today and that you're not playing the game of Jenga with your life, <laughs> that, that you're building on a firm foundation and we believe that that's Jesus Christ. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, how do we navigate life when it feels like everything's crashing down around us? How do we navigate life when everything is crashing down around us? And I want you to realize that God is not immune to your struggles. He does see them. And I know sometimes it feels that way. You're like, God, are you listening to me? And maybe some of you are here today and you said, man, I tried God years ago and it just didn't work out. I mean, it just... He didn't answer my prayers or it, it may work out for some, you know, other people. But for me, it just, it just, it just didn't work out. And, and 
I just kind of gave up or religious people are just, are just judgmental and blah, 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 or whatever. You just, you had a bad experience. Um, a couple weeks ago, we did look at the prophet um, Habakkuk and I, and I want to look at chapter one here. And I want to look at verse two and I want us to see the rawness of Habakkuk. And he had the same questions that you and I do when life doesn't turn out the way we want it to turn out. Here's Habakkuk's complaint to the Lord. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? And, and you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. So he's having an honest dialogue with God about the struggles that he's having and what he's seeing around them. And what he sees is Habakkuk is seeing God's people slip further and further into rebellion. There's a complete disregard for God's word and, and doing God's will. He sees moral decline all around him. It's difficult for the prophet just to live during this time. And what God does as we read through Old Testament history, is what he would do is because of Israel's rebellion, God would allow foreign nations to come in and take them captive as part of God's judgment. But God would use that to redeem his people. But he would allow these foreign enemies to come in to overtake them, to allow them to come to their senses, to come back to God. So God would use that as part of his reconciliation with them. And Habakkuk knows that the, that the country of Babylon the empire of Babylon is close to coming and taking Israel captive. And God would allow Babylon to come and take Israel as part of his plan. So Habakkuk, he's frustrated. He, just, he doesn't really know God's plan. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's wondering what God is doing. He's wondering how will God allow an evil nation to take them cap captive. So Habakkuk cries out to God at the beginning of his book as he has this dialogue with God. He says, how long? Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you've had that same thing like, God, I've been praying for the same thing over and over again. How long? How long will you wait? When will you save? We've all had those questions in our mind. And so God and Habakkuk have this dialogue. And so what, do, what God does is he does answer Habakkuk that his plan will come even though it will be slow in coming. And by the end of the book, Habakkuk has this radical transformation. What happens in his life to make him change from at the very beginning of his book where he's struggling, he's asking God how long, to completely having a heart change, to trusting the sovereign plan of God? What happened in Habakkuk's life? Habakkuk learned to trust God and know that he works out all things for his glory. And so by the end of the book, we're going to see Habakkuk comes to some conclusions. And at this time of life, he's thinking nothing makes sense right now. But as his dialogue furthers with God throughout his book, he comes to understand God is doing something deeper than maybe he understands. So at the beginning of the book, he tells God what he should be doing. And at the end of the book, he trusts God's plan. And usually that's what happens in our dialogue with God. When we don't see things going well, we tell God what he needs to do. God, you need to hurry up with this. You need to speed it up a little bit. And God's saying, Barden, you need to step back. And allow me to do what I need to do in your heart. I know what's going on. My timing's perfect. You can trust me. I'm sovereign. So what the question is, what changes in Habakkuk's heart? The circumstances have not changed, but Habakkuk's outlook changes. So let's read what happens here in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 19. He says, he says, even though the fig trees have no blossom and there's no grapes on the vine, and even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, 
even though the flock die in the field and the cattle barns are empty. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Doesn't that just make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside? He's like, he's given the worst case scenario. And listen to what he says now. At the beginning, he's questioning God. At the beginning, he's wondering why God is so slow in his delay. And then he says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer and able to tread upon the heights. How could Habakkuk rejoice when there's so much despair around him? And I want to bring out a couple things here for you. See, what Habakkuk does is he's joyful in the goodness of God. Now, how? How can he do that? Well, let's understand some things here. This is what we tend to do. We tend to deduce the goodness of God from the good things in our lives and the good things that are happening in our lives. So, so if, if good things are happening and everything's going well and hunky-dory, then we deduce that God is, God is good. So good circumstances, right, equal hashtag blessed, right? So good circumstances equal hashtag I'm blessed. We put it on Instagram, we put it on Facebook, you know, whatever. We do. Hashtag I'm feeling good because everything's wonderful in my life. Now, I can do this, and I believe you also can do the same thing. Where the mistake is here, what God wanted Habakkuk to do is say, don't start with yourself. Don't start with your circumstances. Your circumstances will trip you up every single time. Listen to me closely. This is so good. This is so good. Listen to me. I need to hear this. What we do is we equate our circumstances with God's goodness or his blessings in our lives. And then when bad things happen in our lives or things we don't understand or are beyond our control, we think God doesn't care about us. Or where is God? Why has he left me? And this may have nothing to do with it. It's it's God doing a deeper thing. So we, when we start with me, is not a good thing. If, if, if I'm good, then God is good. And that's, and that's a huge mistake. We say God is good because good things are happening to me. So I got a raise or, you know, God is good. My health is good. Um, God, God is good. And so God is good because God is good. Period. God is good because God is good. So what we need to do is what God wanted to change in Habakkuk's heart is this. Habakkuk, don't look at the circumstances around you. Look to me first. Allow me to change your heart to allow me to allow you to see the circumstances with a different set of lenses. See, the problem is when we start with me, we are all flawed. And then we create the God that we want. We create the comfy, cozy God that we want, that everything's good and great. And and God says, listen, I'm beyond all this. I'm sovereign. And I can work through all these situations. Even though it doesn't look that great to you, I can work through all of these things. And what begins to happen is when we begin to equate God's goodness with the good things that are going on in our lives, when bad things start to go wrong in our lives, we tend to do bad things. We don't choose what is right. We don't do the right thing because we get discouraged or we want to give up. And that's not what God wanted for Habakkuk. So if God is still good, even when my circumstances aren't, how do I have joy? How how do I get a different perspective? How do I keep myself from spiraling down into despair? This is where the words of Habakkuk are so good and so strong. I want you to listen to what Habakkuk says. He says, the fig tree isn't blossoming, 
There's no fruit on the vine. The fields have no food. Buffalo Bills lost in the AFC Championship game. Oh, gosh, I'm still depressed over that. But anyways, we'll move on. We'll move on, okay? Um, Listen, everything is bad. It's just not good, right? Um, and, and, and what's interesting about Habakkuk, he said, this is bad. It doesn't get any worse than this because he's speaking about what? Famine. It doesn't get any worse than this. However, I love what Habakkuk does. He begins to rejoice in the goodness of God. How can you rejoice in the goodness of God when there's no food and you're in a famine? How, how, how? Well, let me pull out a couple of ideas here out of this verse. What Habakkuk uses is he uses the word yet. Everybody say yet. He uses the word yet. He says yet, what he does is he changes gears. He says, even if the worst things happen, yet I will look to God for my strength. Because God will always have the final say, not your circumstances for those who are in Christ Jesus. So here's what he does. In verse 18, Habakkuk says, I will rejoice in the Lord. He will take joy. He's going to take joy in the God of his salvation. So what Habakkuk does is he doesn't focus on his present circumstances, which going to spiral him, which was spiraling him down in despair. What he ends up doing is looking beyond that to the God of his salvation. You see, when you read the New Testament correctly, we see the apostles and the disciples suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they gave their life for that. But what gave them joy in the midst of their persecution? I'll tell you one word, heaven. See, they realized that Christ secured for them an eternity with them that nothing in this world could ever take away. So they knew the things that they did for God would never be wasted. Listen, I heard this a long time ago, and I keep having to remind it to myself all the time. Barden, don't waste your suffering. Don't waste it. Because what we tend to do is when we go through difficult times, we just want to rush through it, right? And press fast forward. Where's the fast forward button? How can we get through this? And what happens is if we do that in our lives, we miss the deeper work that God desires to do in our lives. So don't waste your suffering. Listen, I know it's hard. And some of you may be going through something very deep, and some deep struggles today, and it's hard. And, I'm, and God's not trying to lessen that. But unless we have a different perspective that sees beyond our circumstances, we will allow our circumstances to drown us. And what changes in Habakkuk's heart is not the circumstance. Do you think God could change his circumstances like that? Absolutely. But he doesn't. Because God had a bigger plan. And that's where the trust is. So if I'm not trusting in the goodness of God then I'm going to allow my circumstances to toss me to and fro like a boat in a wavy ocean. God says, what are you building your life on? What is your foundation? Are you building on the solid, firm foundation of Jesus Christ who overcame this world for you and I, that even though we die, we live? This is the different perspective and the heart change that Habakkuk gets in his life. And so what, what is Habakkuk doing? Well, what he's doing is he's reflecting, he's remembering the goodness of God. And I, I don't know about you, but um, I tend to get sentimental about, like when you look at, you ever do this, you, you look at pictures, 
when your kids were growing up. You're like, oh, gosh, it was so cute when they were younger. And then they had to grow up, right? No. Um, you, you ever look at, at the pictures and you're like, oh, this is so cute. Remember when we did that? And you forget that time. And the picture reminds uh, you of that. Looking at old pictures, maybe... Uh, you know, reminding of your childhood. It takes you back to that certain time. Maybe it's a f- your first car or your certain toy. Um, you know, for me, it's just like, I, I know this kind of sounds weird. It's not very environmentally safe, but um, I just, when I smell two-stroke gasoline, I'm just like, it brings me back to when I had my dirt bike when I was a teenager. So I, I have like a two-stroke leaf blower because I just like two-stroke. I just, and I have a two-stroke uh, push lawnmower and I have a two-stroke weed whacker. So uh, when I'm starting up my lawnmower, that thing's like 30 years old and it's just like a plume of smoke. I mean, it's like, you can see it from miles away. So you can tell when I'm mowing my, my yard. And it, just, and it just, that smell just makes me happy. I don't know why it makes me happy. It just puts you, no, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Um, it just reminds me of when I was a kid when I had a dirt bike. You, you ever do that? You just you get sentimental or you hear a certain song or whatever that just reminds you. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a 70s guy. I grew up in the 70s. And if I hear a 70s song, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of this time or whatever. Or maybe when you first came to Christ and there's a certain song that just reminds you of when you came to Christ. Um, for me, it's Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I don't know if you guys ever remember that song, some of you old people like me. Um, it, just, it just reminds me of that. Or there's, there's, there's a neat thing on, I follow on Instagram. It's like the eight, 70s and 80s, and it's like for Rochester, like, hey, remember this store, like two guys? Or, you know, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that store when I, I was a kid. And Kathleen and I were talking about that the other day. We're, we're trying to think of the sporting place. And I go, yeah, that was Marjack's. And she's like, oh, yeah, how many remember Marjack's? Jacks. Remember that? See, you're all old. You're all over 50 that remember Marjax, right? And it just brings you back like, oh yeah, that's when we bought our first downhill skis. And it's just, it just, there's these good uh, reminders to us of, of, of yesterday. And here's what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk reminds himself of God's goodness, that God is always faithful, that he's a sovereign God. Now, Habakkuk's faced with the exact same circumstances but he has a complete heart change on the way he sees it now because he's not relying on himself. He's relying on the goodness of God to change his heart. And it's, it's amazing to me that Habakkuk begins to change. See, Habakkuk's confidence and security comes from knowing God will not desert him even though his circumstances would say otherwise. Isn't that amazing? Habakkuk's confidence is not in the circumstances anymore. His confidence and security come from knowing that God will not desert him even though his circumstances might be different. Isn't that amazing? There's, there's the heart change. And what he begins to say now is he's not going down and, and, and submersing himself in the bad circumstances anymore. Now he begins to rely on the goodness and the strengths of, of the Lord. So what he says is, even though all these things are happening around him, my God is going to make me as sure as the deer are. He's going to make me sure-footed, even though things around me may seem like they're falling apart. My God is going to make me as sure-footed as the deer. He makes me sure-footed. He, I'm able to even go to high, difficult places now that no way could I go before, but with the strength and the grace of God, I'm able to endure these things because I'm not immersing myself in the despair of the circumstance. I'm placing my hope in a good God who has everything under control. Now he can take me above those difficult circumstances and give me a different perspective 
that he is always, always good. I remember we were, Wesley had a bat, my son had a basketball game out in Avon, and they, we were at the Avon High School. I'll never forget this. It was crazy. They had an eight-foot fence around solar panels for, you know, for energy. And there was a dog that was chasing a deer. I saw a deer jump an eight-foot fence. It was crazy. I couldn't believe that he was able to, to, to get over. The, it's, it just amazes me that the agility uh, of a deer and how they can outrun uh, a predator or, or, or outrun that dog. One, one time we were in Montana on a mission trip. We had a day off and we got to go to Glacier National Park, just beautiful, beautiful park. And uh, Kathleen and I, at that time, we were youth pastors, so we brought the youth group there to, to minister there and do different VBSs and outreaches to the kids there. And uh, it was a great time. But when we were there, we were able to see some mountain goats. And the kids in South Carolina, they never, they never see snow. So there was snow there, so they were all excited. So they, they go to this snow pile that was on the side of the hill, and I'm yelling at them, hey, look up. There's a mountain goat like 50 feet above them. So they look up and they see the mountain goat. They all start freaking out and just flying, you know, just sliding down the snow. Get me out of here. But it was amazing. When you look at a mountain goat, it's amazing how they traverse through these difficult cliff sides. And the reason why they do that is because predators can't get them at that height. There's an agility. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how Habakkuk compares the strength of the Lord that he gives him now? to endure all those things, to make him sure-footed, to bring him to new heights that no wise he could ever do in his own strength. That's what the Lord does for us. That is why Habakkuk is able to change his attitude and change his mind about the goodness of God. And so Habakkuk uses this imagery to speak of the sure-footedness and security that we receive through God in Christ Jesus. They have the ability, mountain goats and and, and and deer have the ability to climb to those heights. So Habakkuk is confident that he will be sure-footed with God's strength even when faced with extreme circumstances. And I like how the Apostle Paul kind of echoes this for us. The Apostle Paul prayed three times for this. There was, he called it a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what ailment he was battling with, but he prayed to God three times that this ailment would be relieved. And here's how God answers him. God could have healed him of this ailment. But here's how God answers the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians 12, 19, we read, Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Listen, here's the difference with Habakkuk. Instead of relying on his own power, to help him overcome his circumstances. How was he able to overcome those circumstances with a different attitude, even though he was faced with the exact same circumstances? With the strength of God. That was the difference. He turned to God, turned to his goodness, and knew that God had a plan for his life. Listen, life stinks at times. I'm just going to be honest with you. It just does. But I want you to realize the hope that Christ gives his followers is this. I have overcome this world for you. And I will walk with you through this world. I never expected you to traverse through this world on your own. It's just too hard. It's too overwhelming. But I want to walk with you through this world together and know that I am good. My prayer for you is that you would always turn to the goodness and the character of God, even in the midst of your difficult circumstances, because it's there. Listen to me. It's in that place 
God will show you his grace and his strength just like he showed the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is just like you and I. And God showed him his grace and his mercy and his strength even in his difficult circumstances that he was faced with. Christ wants to do the same for you, but it's turning our life over to him and realizing, God, you are still good no matter what may happen tomorrow. And you're going to wake up tomorrow, you're going to be faced with the same stuff, right? But how many of us know that when we turn it over to the Lord, we can face it in a whole new way now with the strength of the Lord? That's the difference. I, um, uh, some months ago, I saw a video from a funeral from Tony Evans' wife, Lois. And Tony Evans, just, uh, just a wonderful pastor, teacher. We've actually done some of his studies in our men's groups here. Um, his wife tragically died a year ago. And I, and I saw a, a video clip that during the eulogy time, her son, Jonathan, spoke about his mom and, and about the prayers that went in for, for her to... To, to be better, and, and obviously, she, you know, she, she eventually passed away. And I love the words that Jonathan shared at his mother's funeral about how God is still good and how God still works through all situations. And I just wanted to show you that, that clip really quick. So go ahead and look at the screen. In my thoughts over the past few days, I was wrestling with God. Because I said, well, if we have victory in your name, didn't you hear us when we were praying? I was wrestling with God the last few days. Because this was a great opportunity that we can tangibly see your glory. Everybody was praying, not only in Dallas, but around the country and around the world. People were watching. Where are you? This was an opportunity for us to see your glory. And as I was wrestling with God, he answered. And he said, number one, you don't understand the nature of my victory. Because just because I didn't answer your prayer your way doesn't mean that I haven't already answered your prayer anyway. because victory was already given to your mom. You don't understand because of the victory that I have given you, there was always only two answers to your prayers. Either she was going to be healed or she was gonna be healed. Either she was gonna live or she was gonna live. Either she was gonna be with family or she was gonna be with family. Either she was gonna be well taken care of or she was gonna be well taken care of. Victory belongs to me. Because of what I've already done for you, the two answers to your prayer are yes and yes. Because victory belongs to Jesus. Then he said to me, you need to understand that I am God. And that I am sovereign. And my game plan is bigger than any one player on my field. So you need to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on you, but lean on me because I have the ability to make this crooked situation straight. I am the sovereign God. That's why they say that I am that I am. 
as high as the heavens are above the earth are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. We don't think the same. P.S. Don't tell me how to get my glory. Amen. Amen. Wish I had time to, to show you the whole thing. The mistakes that I make in my life is when I try to do it my own way and try to figure out why God is doing it the way he's doing it. And I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, you can trust him with your whole heart. And I know sometimes it's hard because you're, 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 it's so hard when your circumstances don't match what we think God should be doing, just like Habakkuk, right? I mean, let's all be honest. That's so true. But you can trust the Lord. And I may not understand everything, but I know God is a good God. And I have to come back to that because my brain is way too small to try to figure it all out. And so for you here today, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know where your doubts are today. But I want you to know God is perfect in every way and he's good in every way. And he wants to walk with you through these things. And there's a hope that we have through the empty tomb. That Jesus is no longer there. He's conquered sin. He's conquered rebellion. He's conquered it all. And he wants to redeem your life. And ultimately one day he will redeem us. And all those things that were broken, he will, he will make right once again. And we will be with him forever. See, the reason why this world is so difficult and so hard at times, and that, that doesn't mean that the world is always bad or that we don't have good times, but the reason why it's so difficult is we were not meant for this world. We're not created for this place. God is something far greater for those who put their trust in Christ. So I want to pray for you today, and, and then we're, we're going we're gonna to baptize some people. So I'm so glad you came today. So would you bow your hearts with me today? And I just want to pray for you today. And if you're struggling today, I want to pray for you today that, that God would reveal to you his goodness through his, his perfect son, Jesus Christ. And right there at your seat, you can trust him. You can, you can put your life in his hands. He will never let you down. So Father God, we put our trust in you. Lord, this world is, is not our home. We're just passing through. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us here today. For those that are struggling today, for those that just feel like life has overwhelmed them, Lord, I pray that they would put their life in your hands. I thank you, Jesus, that through your death and resurrection, you have forgiven our sins. And when we put our faith and our trust in you, we can find forgiveness and that you make us a new creation. You give us a new perspective. Even though we're faced with the same circumstances, it's a totally different perspective because now we see you for who you truly are, that you are a sovereign God and that you are good and that your salvation is there for us to, to ultimately rescue us, that ultimately we, we, we get heaven. So we're so grateful for that. For that. I thank you for those that are being baptized today, God. I thank you for the commitment that they've placed in you. I thank you for friends and family that have gathered here today, those that are watching online, Lord. So I just pray, God, that you would just speak to our hearts today and reassure us of your goodness and that we can trust you. You're a perfect God in every way. So we love you 
We thank you, and we want to be careful to give Jesus all the glory. We don't want to rob him of his glory. So we thank you, Lord, for using us broken people, messed up people. You redeem us for your glory. And that's what makes the church such a beautiful place. You're not asking for perfect people to come. You're asking for broken, sinful people to come and give their lives to you that you would restore us and make us into the church that you desire us to be. We're thankful for that in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.